0: Welcome to stories of change and creativity. I'm Judy Oscom. On this podcast, we feature interviews with entrepreneurs who inspire and educate. I'm excited to share some insight from two behavior design experts about sugar-free living. Andrea Spiros and Junie Felix are Tiny Habits certified coaches. Andy works with organizations to develop better products and services so people can live healthier and happier lives. Junie is a member of Dr. B.J. Fogg's behavior design teaching team at Stanford University. She's an author, runner, and woman of faith. Well, because emotions create our habits, Junie says that's why so many of us choose to seek comfort with sugar and sweets. Andy and Junie created the course, Tiny Habits for Sugar-Free Living, to help us create a healthier life. They share their own personal journeys in in our interview. They talk about the how-to so we can throw out the word should and actually learn the skills of change.
1: Well, for those who have read the New York Times bestselling book, Dr. B.J. Fogg, Tiny Habits, if you turn to Chapter 7, you will see my story there. I'm the featured story in Chapter 7 because after many years of struggle with what I call a sugar addiction, using the science models and methods of behavior design and tiny habits brought me to breakthrough with my sugar addiction slash habit in less than two months. I had the thing beat in six weeks using the methods and models. And I was so excited when I was able to tell BJ about that. Just, um, as I remember, I think it was either a text message. I think it was a text message. I was like, BJ, I beat sugar and it was <laughs> a six week time span. And, and that got, that got both of us thinking a little bit more about how we can help others to use the science to beat those addictions. Cause it's, it's just so important.
0: Sugar just destroys so many systems in our body. Well, Junie, let me follow up there with you before I pitch it to Andy. What were, what were your symptoms? What was your challenge with sugar? Yeah, and I appreciate
1: you um, pausing me there because, you know, sugar, you know, natural sources of sugar like fruit and things like that. I mean, sugar is important for our overall physiology. We need it. There's a purpose for it. But when you have added sugar... Um, there's where the problem really, really starts because with added sugar, you have all kinds of my symptoms that I was dealing, dealing with was, a uh, fatigue. I uh, would have cookie dough and bubblegum ice cream to give me that dopamine burst and that blast of energy. And then I would crash really hard. So my fatigue levels were just off the charts. Um, you know, you have moodiness, you have mood swings, weight gain. I gained 14 pounds, um, in uh, over a span of about a year and a half. And it was just affecting my whole life in so many negative ways. I just, um, from the psychological of dealing with, oh my gosh, I'm not the size that I'm used to being, I'm having to buy new clothes. I'm worried about my image, my appearance as a woman, you know, sometimes that can, that can push us over the edge and just not being at, you know, active enough for my kiddos, you know, I'd get the, the burst of energy for work or, um, ministry. But then I had leftovers for my kiddos and my husband. It
2: was a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and and Andy, did you have a challenge with sugar as well?
2: I So looking back, I realized I've always had a challenge with sugar. Always. And I won't say this is the right thing for everybody, but um, because I think it was the wrong thing for me, but I was dieting at a very early age. And in, only in hindsight, when I started to learn more, as I, as I grew to be an adult about sugar and sugar addiction, did I realize that for me and my system um, it is kind of wired to be craving sugar. And that for me is even sugar in terms of fruits and, and even some starchy vegetables that I want to be very clear. That is not the case for everybody. I have people in my life that can take relief sugar because their brain and body chemistry is not the same as mine. And I relate to a lot of things that Junie says: the brain fog, the fatigue, the just the not having energy for my family and friends. And uh, I'll say this: depression. Right? I didn't. I didn't realize it was related to my food and food. And when I, I was that. yes, yeah, definitely yeah. That. yeah, so my first job was in a candy store. I was a teenager, oh. like fifteen years old. I'd go go to work after school. I'd eat a bunch of candy, and then I would literally crash. On the couch before dinner, and then not be hungry for dinner and kind of roll myself out to do my homework and things like that. Mm-hmm. and and of course, not not super healthy. And um, I found when I was trying to get pregnant for the second time, I went to a nutritionist, and she, you know gave me a few things, you know, take out this, take out this, let's see what it does. I ended up, and again, this is this is something I did for myself, and I don't I'm not recommending this to others, but I ended up taking out, Gluten, sugar, um, dairy, corn, and, and a few other things uh, very quickly. But then I did it for a period of three months. And I have to tell you, I could rule the world. I literally said I could be president of the United States. I had off the charts productivity. I never procrastinated. I, had, I didn't need that much sleep. I was optimistic, all that stuff. Right. And then immediately after I got and I got pregnant, I've been trying for a very long time and I got pregnant mm-hmm. and then I had morning sickness where all I only didn't feel sick when I had food literally in my mouth. The minute I swallowed, I would be sick again. So mm-hmm. I have lived this arc of and, and I found through that, that sugar is the main thing and, that if I can, if I could stay off sugar, my mood, my brain focus, my procrastination would all improve and I would be fairly unstoppable.
0: That's right. Same here. Mm -hmm. Well, and Junie, I mean, you talk about that because how did you then apply the behavior design lens to really fix that? Because that's the what, but what's the how here? How do we do this? Yes. Well, I
1: had, I went out to study with BJ in person and it was funny because I was there with these innovators from all over the world. And there I was, I went to gain some more insight into persuasive technology now known as behavior design to help a startup that I was working with. And while I was there, BJ said, well, let's pick a really practical example of how we can use behavior design. And, you know, everybody was quiet. It's that awkward moment where nobody wants to go first. And I said, well, Hey, why not? I'll dive in. I have a really bad sugar problem. And so there with innovators from all over the world and BJ, uh, we dove into creating a, what we call a swarm of behaviors, which is one of the tools that we use in behavior design around my sugar habit. And we did it, you know, it was probably like 20 or 30 minutes. And we had a lot of fun with it just to practice doing the model and the method, using the model to do the method. But when I left the, um, that, that experience, I came home and I thought, wait a minute, I can use this science to reverse engineer this out. And so one of the most helpful things that BJ has taught me and folks all over the world is that it is our emotions that create our habits. So there I had this sugar habit that was being I knew was being created by an emotion. And so that right there was like a key that unlocked the door to deliverance because I thought, okay, if I can nail down the emotion or emotions that are causing me to respond with this specific behavior in this specific way, then I'm making progress. And so that was one of the first, um, that's one of our maxims. Emotions create habits. I was able to identify the habits, first of all, the emotion that was leading to the behavior. So that was number one. And I did that by journaling, whether rather physically journaling about my emotions, what the emotion was. When did it occur? And when did I respond with that specific behavior of seeking and finding some serious sugar? And now, once I had identified that emotion, I could choose another behavior. That was helpful and serving me instead of one that was causing me harm. Now it had to be a tiny response, a tiny behavior, tiny habits. And so I started thinking, well, this journaling is working for me. So from now on, when I'm prompted by that emotion at the time, it was sorrow for me. My um, mother passed away in 2015. She died young and Part of the reason she died was complications related to diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Also, had a grandmother who died in 2017, diabetes. Um, so, in the Black and Brown community, this is a big problem. Um, with diabetes and the sugar is a huge part of that. And so I started to do these tiny journal entries, whether they were written or I would use a voice memo in my phone and I would identify the time and the emotion. And I would honor that feeling because I know there was emotion creating my habit. And then I would choose a tiny behavior in response to replace seeking and finding the serious sugar. So I would keep sugar-free snacks with me at all times and um whether it was there's these really great bars on Amazon I'll have to give you the link but there's <laughs> sugar-free yogurt and fruit bars that I would have on hand and I would I would take one bite of that sugar-free bar and I would say yes I'm doing this I'm sugar-free and that tiny celebration was the dopamine spark that I had been seeking before and incrementally it replaced the dopamine spark that I was getting in my in my brain and neurology from the sugar and so Empowered by the fact that we can create that that good feeling in a way that's helpful and healing, I was able to just just reorder my whole life to where if I was prompted or triggered, as we say in the trauma community, by those feelings of grief, multiple layers of grief, you know, loss of a parent is no small thing. And for me, it was loss of the idea of the nurturing that I would never receive the hope of so many things. So layers of grief prompted by that sadness. Instead, I would journal something tiny about what I was feeling and why I was feeling it. What did I miss about my mom? I would just one sentence. She loved Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. And then I would have a little bite of my sugar-free snack. And I would say, yes, I'm doing this. I'm sugar-free. So it had multiple layers of benefit because I was doing all these tiny things uh, using the science of behavior design, which is all about the tiny to eliminate this problem in my life. And it, you know, it worked and it worked fast because, you know, we're, we are wonderfully made our minds, our whole system is so smart within six weeks, it was gone. The desire for finding sugar when I was prompted by that sadness was gone. And of course I let BJ know first
0: yes well and and a great story and a great example and andy for you why it so sounds so simple why why don't we just do that you know why, it's we why make it so it's, hard it's simple yeah
2: simple and and so, simple is sometimes not easy and I, and i want to say that the beautiful thing about the science of behavior design is that you there's so many access points you choose the access point that you want to do that you can do and that you think are gonna have impact. So Junie found her access point was working with the emotions. And she said, okay, I think this is gonna be really powerful. I'm gonna identify the emotion. And then my tiny habit recipe is gonna be after I feel a craving, I will write or talk one line of gratitude or what I think is special about my mom because she had identified that. And that is what worked for her. Conversely, I wanted to say, if you have a lot of complex emotions inside a lot of a lot of, and I'll speak for myself as someone who had eating issues for most of my life, there's a there's a fear of those big emotions coming out and and, and there's also a fear of diving very, very deep into them that they might overwhelm you. And so if that's you out there, you don't have to start there. You can start really simply by looking at, um, what's prompting you and then making something harder to do so I want to give everyone hope out there that that you can resolve this with without diving first deep into the deepest pit of your despair right yeah <laughs> you can and I also want to um, kind of give people a different way of looking at this because since Junie and I are behavior design experts, we kind of take a, a little bit of this for granted that whether you call it an addiction or whether you call it a habit or whatever it is for you, whatever you're doing, isn't as big as you think. And you are so much closer to success than you think. And if you're eating sugar in the morning with your breakfast cereal, that's only one habit. If you're eating sugar in your coffee during that, that's only a habit. We, we lump it all together all the times we're eating sugar, and then we feel overwhelmed by it. But start where it's easy. Think about your habit of sugar, eating sugar as a tangle, and you are going to go for the easiest, loosest, knot there and untangle that first. And the first way you do it, and we talk a lot about this in our course, is to remove the prompt, whatever's reminding you to eat. Now, sometimes that's inside and we have some solutions for you. You know, I've been the one there where I'm at the cupboard open or at the refrigerator mm-hmm. open, kind of lingering there. I know that a lot of people out there are just like me. And so we do have some solutions for you for when you have those those situations.
0: Mm-hmm. You are so much closer to success than you think. Well, and that's, that's the other maxim, too, is that only take on what you want to do. Only make the change, right? Right. So, How-
2: Two maxims.
0: Help, help people do what they want to do, already want to do,
2: and help people feel successful. And so yeah. you out there listening, you're going to help yourself do what you already want to do, not something someone told you to do, not something you should do, not something you have to do. But also, you're going to help yourself feel successful along the way. And that's where uh, the, the celebration really comes in, as Junie described, the, the dopamine hit where you tell yourself that, yeah, because you didn't eat sugar in that one moment, that, yeah, that's a good thing to continue to do again.
1: Yes. And I appreciate the reminder, you know, we're helping
2: people do what they already want
1: to do. And that's what we call built-in motivation. And even the language that we use for ourselves in this journey, this sugar free living journey, is important. Don't, if you catch yourself saying, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that cookie, or oh my goodness, why is it always someone's birthday in the office? And why are we always having cake? I shouldn't have had that cake. So, One of the things that I like to help people remember is watch your language. You know, there's enough bullies in the world. Do not bully yourself. And one of my favorite tiny habits story is how uh, BJ heard from someone who was in the tiny habits journey, taking the tiny habits course. And she messaged him excited, much like me when I said BJ at beat Sugar. She messaged him and she said, I have stopped trash talking myself. And I, I love it when he shares that story because we do that. We say things like I shouldn't have, So if that language pops up in your mind, just kind of flag it and say, you know what? I'm bullying myself. That's not good. And instead replace it with, I am equipped and I am empowered to make another choice. So yeah, it's always somebody's birthday at work. I've been there. But when I was conquering my sugar addiction, I had my sugar-free snacks. Now, one of the fun things that you can do in this sugar-free journey is start trying sugar-free products. There's so many out Mm -hmm. there. Find your absolute favorites. You'll be surprised at how delicious these sugar-free products are. Once you have your list, your inventory of sugar-free favorites, keep them with you in tiny form. So yeah, it's somebody's birthday at work again, the cake's out, but you're going to enjoy your sugar-free um, alternative and you're going to be just as involved in the conversation and celebration, but then you're going to, you're going to be celebrating inside or outside I'm sugar-free. I got this. So you still got a little bit of something to munch on with everybody else, but yours is a sugar-free treat. And I would even suggest if it was a group party, I would suggest the sugar-free treat because, you know, they'd send out the email, Hey, we're celebrating this next Tuesday. Um, what should we get? And I would be the one to put sugar-free frozen yogurt on there so that I'm involved in the occasion, but there's an alternative and then always celebrate. So, Throw out that word should and remember that we always have the ability as human creatures, as living beings, we have the ability to do something. So why not make it something that's helpful and healing and moves you one tiny step towards your aspiration? And remember that you are empowered to do this. You can do this.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I love that. And, and I love the idea of just starting where you are. I think that's important to start where you
2: are. And I think that is really the key because we're uh, many people listening to this are probably very hard on themselves. People who think they shouldn't be eating sugar or know they shouldn't be eating sugar because it doesn't affect them very well. Often have the same type of bully that you're talking about in their head. Like I shouldn't have eaten that. Why did I do that? What's wrong with me? Right. We're here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. That's why we did our course because we've lived it too. (laughs) Yes, We've lived it too and it's about progress not perfection and what we've both really learned and what we've seen when we do workshops and other things like that is that success leads to success and you get to when even when you untangle one the easiest loop of your sugar habit you will feel and experience yourself as a different type of person as the type of person who can become sugar-free. And no one can take that away from you. You will feel may- way more empowered than even listening to this, right? Once you experience yourself doing what you really want to do, you know, maybe not having sugar in your coffee or not having that donut for breakfast and substituting something else in there for you, you get to experience yourself as the type of person who can be sugar-free and that is priceless.
0: Well, sure. and, and tell me, uh, give us a little bit of preview, because in the course, people who take the course are going to have a lot of fun with this, aren't they? Aren't they going to see a lot of fun recommendations and strategies? And talk about that a little bit. We had
1: so much fun
0: because it was nice
1: looking back because we can look back with, you know, what I call grace, what many people would call grace. We can look back with grace at our journey and laugh now. But when we were in it, there wasn't a whole lot of laughing because it was, you know, (laughs) it was, you know, When we make it so big in our mind, this is going to be hard when we're saying those things that are not helpful. But then when you realize how making it tiny and keeping it simple really does lead to victory and breakthrough, you can look back and smile and laugh because you're like, oh, my goodness, it actually happened. I incrementally became the type of person who is sugar free except on special occasions. I mean, that's one of my personal maxims. Now I am sugar-free. I'm a sugar-free human and that's added sugar because I do love some fruit. I'm a sugar-free, no sugar, added sugar, except for on special occasions. And that's my new identity. We call that in behavior design, the identity shift. So I went from someone who was constantly seeking sugar to self-soothe to someone who knows how to self-soothe in healthy and loving ways. My new identity is that I am sugar-free, except for on special occasions. So it may seem too simple, and we are suspicious when something is too easy. We love easy, but we're suspicious. I would just, I would love it if everyone listening to this podcast would take a chance, be daring enough to believe that simplicity, this is another maxim simplicity changes behavior. Change is a skill. And the good thing about that is that any skill can be learned. And just the fact that they're, that you're listening to this podcast right now, you are taking a tiny step forward to becoming someone who is sugar-free, except on special occasions, whatever you decide is best <laughs> for you. You're taking a tiny step just by continuing to listen. And we're so glad you're here. And you're awesome. Well done. You're doing
2: this, exactly. doing this thing. I want to say that Junie and I had fun creating the course because we don't do anything unless it's fun. Really, (laughs) we're we're kind of uh, we work hard, but we're that we're the type of people that we really do like to have fun doing it. And we wanted to bring that level of fun to the course because it can be a very heavy topic. So you're going to get lots of PDFs with tiny habit recipes that you can try right away, right at the get go. We've just laid out some tiny habit recipes for you to try. You're going to get a workbook so that you can work through your own situation where you eat sugar and pick out the easiest tangle for you to start. We've got some bonuses where we, uh, the the courses, the coaches, Tiny Abbot coaches, uh, I hosted them on Clubhouse. We did a book club. We walk you through the entire chapter seven. Yes. We teach you chapter seven of the book and you can learn exactly all the nuances if you're nerdy like us to untangling behavior. But we also give you the very quick ways to interrupt this pattern using the science of behavior design so that right away you can start feeling successful. And Junie and I are on video. We're sharing our personal stories. They weren't always pretty. Like I know that a lot of times you hear and you think like, "Ah, oh, must have been easy for them. I mean, Junie, your your journey was quick, Mm -hmm. but but not pretty in a certain way. My journey was quick, but also not pretty in a certain way. And we don't we don't um, sugarcoat it, it. (laughs) We are out there in vulnerable, caring really what we do and why we do like I my overarching motivation is. I want to be. I want to be there for my family, for my friends. I have big work to do in the world. Junie, I know you have big work to do in the world, and and as you you shared with me in Black and Brown communities and in your personal family history, you feel like you are there to stop this um, epidemic of mm-hmm. diabetes yep. and in, in once and for all. And so, in order for us to be do the big work in the world. This is the work that we had to do for ourselves. And as a consequence, we wanted to share it with other people in a fun way, because I feel like I don't know about you, Junie, but I feel like if I do it the hard way and then figure out an easy way, I want to share the easy way. So no one does it the hard way anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. So true. I agree with that. And of course, when it comes to, you know, our big work in the world, when you do the work in tiny, tiny little bites, It makes it so much more manageable and so much more fun. I mean, celebration is something BJ and I had talked one time where he thought, you know, maybe we should teach celebration first in our workshops. And I'm like, I am all for that because (laughs) it creates that dopamine spark that we're all seeking, whether it's from sugar or some other source. We, We like that good feeling. And as human beings, the science has proven that we change best by feeling good. Not bad. That's why when Andy and I are together, we have a lot of fun because we know that it's that fun that's going to keep us motivated, keep that motivation wave going nice, strong, and true to keep moving forward. You change best by feeling good, not bad. In behavior design, we call it the feeling of shine. And so continue to be kind to yourself. That's so important in this journey because there will be some ups and downs. And you're going to you know, fall short some days. But just remember, one less grain, gram of sugar. I would celebrate one less gram of sugar. And I would say, oh, I got this. I'm sugar-free. Celebrate it no matter how tiny. And anything else is extra credit. And so just remember that. This is the truth of it. We are designed as a species to move forward toward our targeted aspirations in tiny, incremental baby steps. And so celebrate every step of the way. Don't listen to anyone who's giving you any negative feedback. You're on this journey and you're winning this thing. One tiny decision at a
0: time. Love it. I can't wait to take the course. Tiny Habits for Sugar-Free Living. Thank you, ladies, for your expertise and your stories and sharing it. Appreciate you so it. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you so guys, much for inviting
1: us. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us on Stories of Change and Creativity. You can check out Andy and Junie's new course, Tiny Habits for Sugar-Free Living, at the Tiny Habits Academy. I've also included a link to the course in the show notes. And remember, if you have a story to tell or know someone who does, reach out to me at judyoscom.com. Thanks for listening.